Any ideas of why we're here? Uh, no. You don't have not even. I, a, I figured it might be something about uh, La La Land or Nick Cave. Second one. That's it. All it's, right. It, there's no way in hell I'm going to talk to you about La La Land. That's a good guess, though. I almost uh, wish I had changed it. You could. You could talk about it. So you guessed it right. My idea was is I was going to sit down with all the co-hosts and talk to you all about your favorite bands. Because I think most of us straight, like, we'll mention when they have new music coming right. out, but we don't really ever, like, actually talk about it. Because I think we all feel like oh, we're going to get, uh, you know, shit on for that. Uh, and it, it's a little weird, too, I think, for, like, Dave to talk about Dawes and yes. why he likes Dawes. Because <laughs> I feel like, I know, I, I feel like that would be, like, repeating myself a little bit. Yeah. Some of that stuff. And so now what we'll have is this for people to just kind of refer back to. And then also the whole, the whole point is just to let you talk as much or as little. It does. It's not a deep dive. I didn't go through and listen to all of Nick Cave. This is actually the only I was gonna one. Say, of did these. you go listen to any of it? This is the only one where I can honestly say I know almost nothing about the music. I listened to that one record you gave me and I can't remember what year that was, but Ghost Teen. Yeah, the most recent album is the is the full band. Ghosting, I think, is the only album that that I'm aware of, or any music really that I'm aware of of Nick Cave, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which is, for all intents and purposes, that's a band, right? Yeah, it's it's a specifically a band. He's obviously the front man. Most of the songs are written with him and Warren Ellis, uh, who also do their film scoring together. And on top of that, though, they recently came up with an album that was just them, like a quarantine album. Was that still under Nick Cave? It or? was Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. It was their first release, just them, as a non-like scoring piece of work. But it was definitely like a more, it's informed by their scoring work. It could have been a Bad Seeds album. I don't really understand why it's not. Because I, I think even some of the Bad Seeds played on the album as musicians. Yeah, because I remember when you gave me that Ghost Scene album, I think you just gave me like a vinyl code that you had. Yeah. And that's how I listened to it. And I remember looking it up and it was just the two of them credited. So that's a bit weird that they didn't. Almost always it's just them. And yeah. that's that's why the, the film scoring work that they did, which is I believe how I first got into them, or at least how I got into them like... That I can remember at this point. Well, uh, that was going to be my first question is how did you get into Nick Cave, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, whatever I, you want to call I it. I mean, I had definitely heard his music beforehand because he has not ties to David Bowie, but like musically kind of similar to David Bowie in some regards. Same era, right? Pretty much. Similar era. Yeah. Because he, he was in a band before the Bad Seeds that I think did two, two albums maybe. And they... Uh, that was in late 80s, probably like that, something like that. And I'd, I'd heard that somewhere at some point. So like I knew his name from somewhere, but I never really got into them as a band until probably when they, I don't know if it was when they started doing scoring work or that was when I just got back into them like fully and was like, I'm a big fan of this now. Whereas before I might've been, I heard like, you know, one of their albums, um, like some of their older albums, like I've gone back and listened to and I know that I had heard them before, like the Boat Pan's Call came out in 1997. I definitely didn't listen to it when it came out in 1997 or even probably the early 2000s, but I'd heard it before they started filming, doing film scores too. So Yeah, and listening to that one record, that my only frame of reference here, it made sense to me why you were into Nick Cave. But from what I can gather from this like 
personality that Nick Cave seems to have and these pictures I've seen of young Nick Cave, he seems to be like a punk icon. Is that accurate? Yeah, the the band that he was originally in is a is a punk band and they only put out the two albums and at least one of the members of Bad Seeds played with him on that other band. The the birthday party was the name of that band. Australian, right? Yeah. So like Australian punk, like I've never actually listened to any of the studio albums of Birthday Party actually. They definitely play some of those songs live, but they've been like heavily like readapted for Bad Seeds. Obviously, it seems like uh, when I was going into this episode, I kind of thought like, oh, I'll do Nine Inch Nails. But then I was like, oh, well, everybody knows why people like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. This is an opportunity to talk about Nick Cave, which like it, it's one of those names like Tom Waits. I didn't, I, I had always heard that name growing up, but I wouldn't say until I like turn like 25 that I was like, I'll give Tom Waits right. an actual try and actually listen to it. And I feel like Nick Cave might be similar where it's just like people know the name, but don't really know the music. Especially here, um, they're not like a big deal. Like when they last came through, America was, I guess, the year before, so 2019. So they played seven dates, I think, in the whole country. Wow. Most of their touring is Europe and like the rest of the world, right? But that was the first time they had been on tour in America in 10 years. So they, they never come by, basically. He came by more recently on a solo tour. That was in 2019. So the band actually might have been 2017 when they were here. I but. remember that because I had friends from like Louis. They played in Dallas, right? Yeah. And I had friends from Louisiana who were like, oh, I drove in for Nick for yeah. the bad seats. I, yeah, I was going to go. I wanted to go see them twice. I was going to go see them in Austin and then see them in Dallas. Because they were playing only those like couple dates in the U.S., but there were you know two that I could go to. So. Yeah, and you might as well. Yeah. So like looking back on it, so obviously the the film score aspect that kind of drew you in, which Going. is funny. That's kind of similar to like Nine Inch Nails too. Has that same kind of and it's predominantly two people. Yeah, it's two people, and it's also that I bet that's a way that people younger than us get into Nine Inch Nails now is through some of their film scoring, so which is weird to think about. Yeah, imagine somebody getting into Trent Reznor because of the soul soundtrack. Could could happen in 10 like, years, yeah. Yeah, and it, like for me, it's like Downward Spiral and then like that um, With Teeth album. Yeah, with, with Teeth and like The Fragile and yeah. Wow, oh, that, that's so funny. Not that the edge, edge of Trent Reznor has softened, but it, it's so funny thinking of like, both i I think it's a natural progression but back on nick cave so the the film score aspect really pulled you in do you look back at the you know the earlier catalog which i assume is more like rock and punk oriented or is that uh they've always been more of a rock band than punk i mean they definitely have like punk roots obviously i'd say maybe some of their like live shows or it's very much like grown-up punk musicians well, you see pictures so, of like young Nick Cave and he like gives off this Iggy Pop aesthetic. Yeah, it, it is kind of similar in that. He's always wearing a suit, yeah. um, very like committed to the, the character that he is on stage and yeah. seemingly off stage, actually. Like for the most part, it seems like that's actually him. I know that he has a, a website where he answers questions, the Red Hand files that I've mentioned before on the show. Which is basically his own personal basically Tumblr. Basically just a blog and Tumblr. Yeah, it is a Tumblr, technically. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it, uh, he got a question a couple of weeks ago or something about, oh, do you ever wear like just t-shirts like normal people? And he's like, I would never be caught dead wearing a t-shirt. I love it. He, he's, he's a super He's just very committed person. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, it's probably like blurred the lines. There's that, like the singer of The Cure. 
uh, Robert Smith, people argue that like, hey, that like the what you see of the Cure is very much like a, it's a character, but he's been doing that for like fifty years at this point. It's not a character right. anymore. You That's Robert become, Smith. Yeah, you just become the character. Yeah, like Jack White is definitely like that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't even know if it started off as a bit or a character, but like it, it's not now. Like it's just him. Yeah, so. and there's no changing it. Do you find yourself going back to that, uh, you know, kind of more rock, less symphonic music and liking it just as much? Or do you, are you really kind of uh, more in the more modern? I mean, looking, looking at their like first six or seven albums, I don't listen to those that often. I, I think How mostly, many albums do they have? Do you know? Offhand, I don't know. Uh, 17. So okay. they, have, they have a lot. Yeah. For me, like the albums that I, I listen to on a kind of like any kind of regular basis or basically anything since 1990. So their first like handful of albums, I just don't revisit. There's plenty of stuff that they have on there. Those that are good songs, but they're also not, um, as an album, they're not great all the time for me. So does Nick cave have like a, like a song like that is that's Nick cave that people would point towards. Cause the reason why I ask is I think that's kind of one of those reasons why I just don't know nick cave music when i think of bowie i think like space oddity and right. stuff like that uh i mean there, there are some songs that they like basically always always will play live at their shows but they're not songs you would have heard somewhere not in the grocery store no not in the, not in the grocery store i mean th- there's a couple of their songs that have been in a lot of movies but you would probably hear it and then go oh that's cool i like that and then never think about it again are there any songs that you think maybe i would have known it's fine if that's a no the only one I can think of is if you've seen uh, second to last Harry Potter movie. I have. I've seen them all, but I don't remember them very well. Let's uh, here. I'm pulling up Nick Cave on Spotify. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. So the last song off of his like double album or their their double album, the Avatar Blues and the Wire, the Liar of or- Orpheus, which is a terrible name to try to pronounce offhand. Uh, the last song in there is called Oh Children, and that was in Harry Potter. It's been in a bunch of other movies. Yeah. So that would be the only one that I think would be recognizable, but that's not a song they play live either. Top it's... three songs that I'm getting here. The top song, most played song, is Into My Arms. Yeah. And then the second one is Red Right Hand. And then the third one is Oh Children, which is the one you mentioned. Right, because I'm sure that's been in a lot of movies. I'm kind of surprised none of their like newer stuff is in in that list some of those like on that ghosting album like they're like 13 minute songs well maybe not on ghosting but um on some of their more recent albums that are not that album they have a lot more songs (laughs) that are more uh like built for normal like radio play kind of stuff yeah and you know you listen to music front to back yeah I, i think that's the reason i like them as much as i do last like single they've ever put out that I would have thought might be on that list is Jubilee Street, and that came out in 2013. Didn't crack the top five on Spotify, but Spotify is not the arbiter well, right. of truth. But they, the point being, like they, that's seven plus years ago. Yeah, when they had a song that I would have thought might have been on there because like none of the other stuff they've done recently makes it makes sense why none of that's on there. Do you think they have a fan base that doesn't use streaming? Oh, and definitely. That might skew those details. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think especially the last three or four albums that they've had, they're better as a whole thing and it would just make more sense to me that those people are like no nah, fuck streaming i don't want to listen to it yeah i have that album on the most recent ghost teen on my phone 
So occasionally, if I'm out of Wi-Fi, I'll just listen to those. And if I just put on all my music on shuffle, whenever one of those comes on, I have to skip it, not because it's a bad song, but because it's like, this is like a part of a whole and it just it's weird out of context. Yeah, I don't even think, I don't think there's any songs on that new album that would make sense on their own. Uh, yeah. there, there, there is a new song on the, uh, the, just the two of them, Warren Ellis and Nick Cave on that, like not solo album, but like the first thing they've done together outside of film scoring, uh, and not part of the band. They have a song on there that totally would make sense, but it's not a bad seed song. So it's not going to show up on Spotify anyway. So, yeah. Uh, and, and that's also like, I don't think people are listening to that album unless they're a fan of their existing work anyway. Cause I don't know how you would randomly come across it you know i have to ask uh that them not being played in grocery stores and stuff is that because they're australian and they're throwing hard c-bombs left and right i mean there's and some, americans don't like that word <laughs> there's some cursing it's not, a fun word it's not that much actually but, i'm not gonna say it but yeah. it's a fun word <laughs> they don't say it that much that would make them like not fit for radio play that's but, more for the tumblr crowd yeah yeah you know they're not going to grocery stores he what was that christmas song that he defended uh, he's always defending it every year. Oh, um, it's the one that I know, says I know the, what you're talking uh, about. Yeah, yeah. the F slur in it. Yeah, God, uh, what's that song called? I didn't even know that that was a big song. Oh, it's yeah, it's a big song, and I feel like I should know the name of it. Yeah. But. Oh well, it doesn't really matter. He he's a very he, strong he's, personality. Well, he's very defensive of censorship, or yeah, no, defensive of like the lack of it. Yeah, he's very much like the the album has been done. Like these, these songs are out there. They're part of culture and they should just, they should remain there. And it's like, it's okay to say like, don't say that anymore, but you can't just like get rid of the song and just pretend it never happened is his kind of like mindset on that. Yeah. So this might be a, you know, might not fit this music for you, but would you say that like Nick Cave is comfort music for you? Since like I I associate if Nick Cave isn't your favorite musician or band i would say it's definitely up there it's like top two definitely like top three of like especially like musicians that are like still releasing things too yeah i think that's a big like point to make because like i really like david bowie obviously but he's not doing anything so yeah you know there's there's um i think that's weirder to like rank people in that way do you think that that would be that i mean like statistically saying you're going to live longer than Nick Cave at this point. Oh yeah, he's he's actually he's a lot older than you would think. Yeah, he yeah he's like seventy, right? Something he's like that. Close to that. Yeah. yeah. So statistically speaking, you're going to live longer yeah, than hopefully. Nick Cave. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think that might change like his status of like? I mean, you have a David Bowie tattoo, so I'm assuming no. But like whenever I think of like some of my favorite musicians, like they're all active. It's very hard for this is a new revelation for me is that like I don't think I really listen to inactive music, not because I dislike it, but there's something about like a well, the statue is there. It's right. not changing anymore. The monument's not changing. Do you think that will change for you? Uh, I mean, maybe. I think that I mentioned before on the show, like this newest album. Uh, Ghostine is is probably their best work, like or at least most like you know cohesive work. It does feel like an opus, like a magnum opus. Yeah, it, it like kind of feels Star like was. it kind of feels like this could be the last album that they release. Actually, as the band, I don't think this is the case. I haven't like read any you know 
bad seeds forums or something that say that bad seed forum that's <laughs> um, good but the uh maroon five chans god <laughs> i guess they would be on tumblr though because he has a, a tumblr so yeah it's like him and Sufjan Stevens are the only people who are still on Tumblr. Yeah. Especially after they took all the uh, uh, It is nudity. it is a good format for his like question and answer kind of thing. Yeah. But no, I think it, that could be a reason why the uh, Warren Ellis and Nick Cave album is separate because maybe they are done with bad seats. I don't, I don't know if there's a, for all we know, there's an underlying reason of like health problems with somebody who's a member in the band and they, uh, they're done. I don't know, but well, here, I, I, it could be like, that would be the end of their, career as a band and i think that would be a great way to go out because it's a really great album i i'm not one to be like oh an artist is ruined because they came out of albums i don't like david bowie has like a you know bad disco album like i that's fine they all do it's the disco album all the time yeah yeah but i mean if nick cave did the disco album that would be kind of fun so kind of like the the foo fighters one yeah we'll get into that some other time so you don't have any like life events or moments you would like tie to nick cave not really i'm kind of bad about like i don't necessarily tie music to stuff like that as much as some other people when they listen to music uh but it is definitely like a comfort listen of like i know what i'm going to get in like what i'm listening to and like the content of it and like the you know like the story behind some of it in some cases on these last couple and kind of like kind of like if uh david bowie's like berlin trilogy i'll listen to all those at the same time like back to back to back yeah and i do that with their most recent Fury albums because they kind of form a trilogy of him dealing with you know his uh his son died i don't know if you read about any of this but well i don't know a bunch about it but i know he did announce uh semi-recently that uh a memoir about that. yeah so yeah his his son died like unexpectedly in like a kind of freak accident thing of like falling off a cliff in like england somewhere and it was like you know obviously a life-changing thing for him his son was pretty young well, and also and, like and that's, uh, that's like a lot to write about because he also wasn't there when that happened because he was working on that first album of yeah. that trilogy, and it had him dealing with like family, like feelings and stuff like that. And then obviously the second album was dealing with his son dying unexpectedly and and you know halting everything that he was doing. So yeah, and once again getting into the statistics, like uh, statistically, no parent foresees themselves having to bury a child so like that right yeah i i wish nobody had to bury anyone but like statistically that's something that like you get into parenthood probably assuming you know i'm not gonna have to deal with that kind of grief so that's probably a whole different type. yeah i don't think you could be prepared for that no uh, yeah you don't even prepare yourself at all right because you think like that's not gonna happen i don't have to worry about that it'd be different too if it was like you know his son died from a disease that they like knew about and could like yeah mentally prepare for even though you can't really do that either but like more so than just like oh something bad happened and, and that's it yeah but kind of getting into uh you know the, the book the memoir that kind of stuff is so like we've talked about he has different styles that he's gone throughout the years with the music but i think also different like he's pretty prolific where he's on he has his own forum where he just answers people mm-hmm. he it sounds like he's got the book uh then also he's got these live performances that you've told me about where it's like kind of a quasi speaking tour and playing yeah and he does poetry yeah he does poetry uh he, he does a lot of writing of any kind really and like for the music side of things he doesn't write a lot of the music he writes the That's lyrics like Warren Ellis, right? yeah he, he writes the lyrics and like does some of the music like it's definitely like a tiny part of it compared to warren ellis and 
he did a uh, the speaking tour, like kind of just going around doing like a live version of his like answers and questions Tumblr. I don't. That was really cool because that's the thing. Like, I would be interested in like Jack White doing that, right? About like learning more about the person. I would and to I a point be but interested because I, he would be very like snarky about it. You know, I can't wait till we get in a room. We're all gonna have a fist fight. Yeah, he. He'd probably be weird about it, but it might be interesting, you know, like there might be something interesting to come from that. Like Dave Grohl is doing all these like more personal projects now. And like, that's, those are interesting to me because I, I'm interested in what he has to like, you know, say about certain things or like his, you know, why he did this song this way, that kind of thing. Cause like some of the questions were, you know, like, how did you write, you know, this album? Right. And he'd talk for like 10 minutes and like explain how he wrote stuff. And he's like, do you want me to play a song from there? And this is like before the album came out and everybody's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's yeah. like, I'm not going to do that. He's like, because we haven't played these songs live at all. And he's like, first we write them for the album. Then we uh, we make them into a live band thing. And then he's like, then I get to do my bullshit where I just play by myself on the piano. He's like, I can't do that yet. <laughs> he's like, I'm like three or four years away from doing that. So. And you saw that, that, that was like in LA. You saw him at like the yeah. Walt Disney Hall. Yeah, the Disney Hall. Yeah, because uh, cool. I was there for a, a work trip uh, and it just happened to be good timing, so... <laughs> that's awesome how much does the live component play into it have you seen the bad seeds yeah i've yeah, seen them play have. once live um almost twice book tour yeah i saw this thing i saw him playing solo basically was what yeah. it was and then like speaking in between songs he pr- probably played 10 songs it's like a decent live show but they were interspersed by like 10 15 minutes of talking uh taking questions that kind of thing and it, it wasn't it wasn't just written uh, questions either. It was like people in the audience just talking. So there was a couple moments of him just having a full on conversation for a while, and then like eventually getting out of it and being, all right. Uh, people came here to see a, see me play stuff too, so I'm gonna play a song now and that kind of thing. But yeah, that that changes it because it's very different from the album for a lot of those songs. But then also on top of that, if the genre has changed throughout the years, I yeah. imagine those live shows like. A lot I just of, can't see how Ghost Teen would go live with a full rock band. I Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what that's going to look like whenever that does happen. Oh, a couple of their songs, like Jubilee Street is one that I mentioned that was 2013. On the album, it's a very, like, not a soft song, but it's not very, like, aggressive or energetic or anything like that. Uh, but live, that's, like, one of their most, like, energetic songs. It's just, like, totally different. It's like the same core song, obviously, but they leaned heavily into like, make this a big thing. And even when he's played, he'd played that um, at that show in LA with, you know, just him on piano. And it was just as like energetic and, and, you know, another take on it, uh, but still have a lot of like, you know, energy behind it uh, versus on the album. It's like, well, I mean, it's a good song. It's like nothing bad about it, but it's, it's very different to compare the two. And that's also a weird point for me because I'm not, Historically, at least, I don't care about live performances in terms of recordings, like live albums and stuff. Yeah. I I get the appeal, but to me, it doesn't fit with how I want to listen to music, I guess. Yeah, it feels very old school. I mean, there are a few live albums I have been interested in, but I'm with you there that it's yeah. like, for the most part, that's something that I used to be in too because I was, you know, I couldn't go see all the bands I wanted to see, so I would go out to a record store and buy the the live album. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it, to me it's part of like how I don't want to listen to like playlists of music and just jump around 
song to song, which is like, obviously it's different on a live show when like they're, they're putting these in an order for a reason usually. Um, but I will say for what it's worth, like on Nick Cave's live recordings, I do listen to those kind of often, um, more than I would expect for like how much I don't care about live albums generally. And part of it's just because these songs are like so different and you can go listen to like the studio recording one day and then a couple days later go listen to the live album where they do, you know, the more energetic take of it or even just like, um, you know, radically different, like twice as long version of a song or something like that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just different enough to where it's like, well, yeah, why would I go listen to the studio album again? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think that's probably a good time to listen to live albums. Like I think... Uh, statistically Sufjan Stevens has played um, Hotline Bling more than Drake has because he used to end live sets with like oh, a 20 yeah. minute version of Hotline Bling and then there's that one uh, My Bloody Valentine song that like they play just a wall of noise for 30 minutes and I think they call that like the Holocaust is what they call that and it's mm-hmm. like it apparently when you're there live it's just so loud that it's supposed to like make you feel uneasy and like it, quote unquote hallucinate hmm. uh so that's the kind of stuff where i'm like oh well you don't do that on the record i'd like to hear yeah. that because i don't get to see my bloody valentine i don't get to see sufyan although I, I don't know if that would translate very well to no. a live recording but yeah i have to ask what would you recommend should be a starter nick cave album not your favorite album that'll be the follow-up question what would be a, since I have only I, listened I mean, to that I, one, I album. would say it's not Ghostine. No. I think I mentioned that to you also about like don't go into this thinking this is like the the album that is what you should listen to. But um, you also knew that that was the type of music yeah, I was yeah. into. Yeah, so and you would you would get it and want to listen to it. It wasn't a risk. I think um, maybe the Boatman's Call or Let Love In, which are both two of their earlier albums in the early like ni- early to mid nineties. Are both like the like I guess classic Nick Cave kind of sound. So that's the starter pick. Yeah, that or Dig Lazarus Dig is is a more recent album, recent two thousand eight, and it's probably their like most like mainstreamy like kind of album that got the closest to like being a thing that could be heard on the radio. Yeah. So I'll follow it up so you can answer it. What is your favorite album? Uh, it's that, that double album that I couldn't pronounce the name of earlier. Uh, Avatar Blues and The Liar of Orpheus, which I got better that time. When was so, that? When, when did that come a out? That was 2004. Okay. Uh, and it's a double album. It's kind of... Th- that came out in between... Or the Dig Lazarus Dig came out in between their newest trilogy of things, which is all kind of like Ghostine. Not quite as dramatically, you know, cinematic as uh, Ghostine is. But that like kind of previewed like these albums that they would put out for these last couple of years. Um, and that's the music that like, I, I definitely like more listening to. And it's, it's, uh, obviously it's a double album. So it's longer, which is for me, that's what I want out of, out of those kinds of, uh, albums. So you don't have like a way you would recommend people listen to Nick Cave because I know you're a, from start to finish person of like listening yeah. to records. I mean, you could go listen to maybe the songs that Spotify says are the top yeah. streamed ones actually to get a decent idea. Um, cause that's it, what I plan on doing. Cause those do the, from the names of Millie's, I think those are all like early to mid nineties, like classic kind of Nick cave stuff. So, okay. Follow up to all those questions. What do you think is their most favorite famous slash fan favorite song? Cause I find that those are typically different. 
the most famous song is not always the most fan favorite I mean, song. the the fan favorite one is probably Stagger Lee, which is the thing they do live and pull up audience members when they do it and stuff like that. It's like it's a whole thing that, you're like, if you're into the band, you're like, you're in. But uh, obviously yeah. that's a weird, like, you're not going to go listen to that, right? That's like, that's one of those, like, it's a live thing. Is it only live? It's not a... No, they, they've definitely recorded a, a copy okay. of it. Um, they have a whole album that's uh, Murder Ballads, which is basically all covers. Okay. So, And, like, those are all some of their, like, more famous, like, live songs where it's like, nah, this is what people want to hear. So so it sounds like the fan favorite song is that Staggerly. Yeah. And then probably the most famous would be with I think, that O Children. I think O Children probably makes the most sense to me. Um, Let Love In, I guess, maybe. Okay. also um would make sense and that's like the the kind of um like not folksy like in terms of music but like folk writing maybe inspired uh era that they had where it was very like he was very influenced by like a lot of poetry and stuff writing all those those albums yeah i i think i'm gonna have to take the route of listening to those top five spotify because i really thought this was that gonna or, be an iggy pop stooges thing. oh no uh I, I would say that or go listen to they had a uh, four album or four album four song like EP uh, called Distant Sky and it, it it has it's a live like EP thing and it has um, just four songs but I think that covers like a good amount of the types of like eras that they have. I will say that if I go into Nick Cave and realize oh this isn't for me that regardless of that the it just his personality and how funny he is of what I've seen from him and read about him. I mean, I'm a fan already, even if I'm not yeah. a fan of the well, music. Especially in writing too. He's, he's got like that dry, like humor about stuff. It feels like a Coen brothers movie. Kind oh, of. Oh yeah. Like no, he, black yeah he, comedy. He feels like a character out of a movie. Exactly. And he's, he's tried to be an actor before and it didn't work out. But Oh yeah. He's the one who wrote the sequel to, um, gladiator, right? Did he? Oh my God. You don't know don't this know story. Oh man! I, I know didn't... he he wrote a screenplay and acted in um, the proposition or something like. I, I think yeah. it was the proposition. I think yeah. that's right. Oh he, man! He, he really wants to, for a while. He really wanted to be a cowboy. Um, <laughs> An Australian wanting to be a cowboy didn't, makes uh, sense. Didn't work out. So. Yeah. Well, I didn't didn't plan on this, but hell, let's let's go down this rabbit hole. So, from what I remember, and I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to go based off memory here. But the story is. This was rumor for a long time that Nick Cave, Australian Nick Cave, wrote a sequel to Ridley Scott's The Gladiator. I mean, I could see him writing it, yeah, because he, he, he's clearly like always wanted to do movie stuff, too. Like He does all the film scores, and he, he writes every kind of writing that he can do. Yeah, and you know. I, see, I, I could see a lot of creatives doing that kind of thing as a, an exercise, rewriting... Uh, movies the way they think it should be but apparently he did it and he finished the script and he sent it to ridley scott and like it got to the point where like he was reading it not even just like oh i wrote this and a part a part of this screenplay was like it would it included time travel maximus the main character was going to do time travel the okay fucking insane so oh, I, I'm so glad that I, I got yeah, to tell you. I didn't this. know this. Um, but do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I do have it pulled up. Oh, 
brilliant. So this was uh, at the request of his friend, Russell Crowe. So now this makes more sense. Russell Crowe's Australian, too. Yeah. So yeah. This, this makes sense. They're sense both they, national treasures. They, uh, so he, he wrote a script after Russell Crowe asked him to for a proposed sequel, and then he sent it to the studio, and they rejected it. But it's, That's crazy I, I like that the idea it got that, that far. Well, it's, it's, um, I don't have a date on when they did that, but he wrote the uh, screenplay for The Proposition, which was in 2004. So he was like, he was a name in Hollywood at the point that he wrote this sequel screenplay, which is really funny to me. Because <laughs> like The Proposition is not a bad movie, but it's not, you know, it's not a very memorable movie. We're all not like talking about it. Whereas like, you know, some of the other movies he's done film scores for are like, you know, The Assassination of Jesse James. It's a big, long title. Wait, uh, he did the score for that? Yeah. Oh, that's an amazing movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a great movie. name. Great movie. Um, but that's funny because it's like the proposition was not a great movie and that's like, that was his like first foray into doing all that. Um, so it's even funnier to think that he submitted this like kind of wacky, uh, screenplay for a sequel after being like a known thing where like Hollywood's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know him. Yeah. He does the the music for the people. Like, and it was a rumor for a long time, apparently. And then somebody, I think probably, I wouldn't be shocked if we went there as forum and found it, just do a control F and put gladiator. And he confirmed, he said, yeah, no, I did that. Yeah. That's not a rumor. That's true. He, uh, he is kind of that, that kind of persona who he would definitely be like, oh yeah, I did that. And it was great. And they didn't like it. So I just like the hubris of this man too. Like that, that's a Academy award winning yeah. film. A lot of people point to that. Like Ridley Scott made Alien. He made Blade Runner, and a lot of people yeah. point to Gladiator as just as high as those. Pretty much everything that he's done, um, like wow. Ridley Scott's done, you know, is like a very high tier thing to be like, oh yeah, I can write a sequel to that, like no problem. And by the way, I, I'm not wanting to talk down to any of our listeners, but if you haven't seen Gladiator, there is no tra- time travel in it. Oh yeah, yeah. So the idea of having a time traveling mechanic in the sequel to an Oscar winning movie is just bonkers. There's a reason it didn't get made. Yeah, so. but it's so funny that he Although took the, he it, thought in his mind he thought this is a possibility. I'm going to go through with this. I mean, it could have also been a bit though about like I'm going to write this ridiculous idea and then be like my friend Russell Crowe told me to do this. Yeah. Like this is all his fault, guys. Hey, it's got somebody who doesn't hasn't even listened to his music talking about it, so it worked. Well, he, Maybe you're he, def- right. he definitely has um enough like writing outlets for doing like ridiculous things like that yeah um and that's that's an interesting like aspect to him as a you know persona or like you know creator of new things it's not just like music and a couple like poems or whatever it's like just dudes constantly writing new things and and gets into like really weird writing so yeah it sounds like he is the ideal creative of like he is making stuff because he enjoys it it just so happens that he is famous for it and like he's lucky that he is but well, like he's doing it because he would be doing this even if he had a yeah, day job yeah and he 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 releases things that are just weird yeah like he, he wrote a children's book about something and it's like it's not a good children's book it's like it's definitely like dark and kind of like weird but it's just like he did it and like people liked it so why not try it yeah so i mean like that's all the questions i had i i would say i am very excited to give Nick Cave a listen. And in the very least, like listening to interviews with him sounds like yeah. a blast. Yeah, and he he's um I mean if you want to get more into his like mythos or whatever, there's a, a couple of different documentaries that are like covered a bunch of stuff that they've done on these last couple albums. Um I don't think there's a ghosting one yet. 
Uh, but the other two albums of that trilogy have documentaries that go with them. Um, so you can get really into it if you want, which is like part of the whole thing with that band and the fan base is like they're people are really into it. Like they're, they're committed. I'm a sucker for documentaries, especially musical documentaries. Yeah. Even if I don't like an album and something comes out, that's like a musical, like, Oh, the making of this album. I, I'm a sucker for it. And oftentimes it turns me around because even if I don't yeah. like something, you see, well, this person really did put their heart and soul into a song you don't like. So yeah, you see what, what went into it and the like, uh, circumstances and like background around it, yeah. which helps like inform things that maybe don't come across in the writing. So, yeah. Well, that's all I got. Unless you have anything else you want to throw in about Nick Cave, any last minute thoughts, or are we going to end on Gladiator 2? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Hell yeah. I can't wait for Gladiator 2. Um, we really got to start a GoFundMe. Honestly, could get made at this point the way that uh, all the tech companies are throwing around money to go produce whatever the fuck anybody wants. So. I don't even need that. I What I would like is for him to just release it to his fans, maybe on his Tumblr. And then somebody could animate or just put some storyboards to it. No, or he, just read it. He could probably, audiobook. He'd probably pay somebody to animate it if he thought I, that he wanted to do that. I bet you if he did this. I mean, he's not going to. I think he. he I think the joke is done with him. Like yeah. he, he, The punchline is uh, already exhausted. But, oh, and, I mean, part of me thinks that like he definitely wrote it as a joke, is my thinking about like... But it sounds like Wouldn't this be funny, guys? You, you really want me to write this? Like, I'll have fun with that. Like, It sounds like he's friends with Russell Crowe. I bet he could convince Russell Crowe to do oh, yeah. an audiobook reading of this. Yeah. Ooh. Man, Nick Cave, you can have that one for free. That that one's on me. So thank you, Adam, for talking about one of your favorite musicians. I look forward to listening to Nick Cave. And that's all we got here. It, it's been a good time. We'll see you guys in the theater or listening in uh, your favorite audiobook app. And uh, we will uh, be listening or watching Gladiator 2. Goodbye.